the decriminalization of people who possess certain illegal drugs for personal use, it was thought of to be a critical step in BC's fight against the toxic drug crisis. It was supposed to help reduce barriers. The stigma was helped, uh, you know, again, it was all there to try and make sure that we didn't just look at it as a criminal justice issue, but we looked at it as a public health matter. So you had a lot of different opinions, public health experts, police advocates, they were all calling for decriminalization, pointing to a range of potential benefits. To talk about this a little bit more, Jerry Mayer Judson, show contributor. Jerry, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, Rob. Well, it's been polarizing, to say the least, because mm-hmm. I know that if you look on social media, you'll see all these you know, uh, sites, whether it's in Yale Town or downtown, and it just looks like organized chaos, and surely decriminalization, quote, isn't working. But You've had a chance to talk with Dr. Cora DeBeck, and um, you've got some thoughts on this. No, absolutely. I've, I've noticed, right? So we're like six and a half coming into our seventh month of decriminalization of drugs for personal use this year. And uh, the biggest criticism that I've tend to, that I've tend to have heard, and this is just kind of anecdotally, but uh, that people are still dying from drug toxicity at the same rate. But then maybe we're criticizing the wrong thing. So I did talk to Dr. Cora DeBeck. She is an associate professor at the SFU School of Public Policy and a research scientist within the BC Center for Substance Use. And so I asked her if decriminalization is indeed effective in reducing deaths from overdose. From the outset with decriminalization of personal possession, um, as a scientist and researcher and drug policy expert, I did not expect or anticipate that decriminalization would have any kind of measurable impact on drug overdose deaths. And that is because the overdose deaths are linked to the toxic supply of drugs. So that, based on coroner's data and, and a whole body of research, we know very clearly that it's the toxic supply of drugs that is what is driving overdose deaths and killing people. And with decriminalization of personal possession, we aren't touching the production of drugs. So drugs continue to be produced by organized crime and drug cartels. We have zero health and safety regulations or oversight. So in that context, we expect, unfortunately, that overdose deaths will remain the same. Uh, What decriminalization was positioned to do, is positioned to do, is very small, um, and it really relates to reducing contact between police and people who use drugs. From my perspective, a very evidence-based, sound policy move, but it's really important to be realistic about what it can and can't do. Do we know if there are resources that are being allocated to rehabilitation and other sort of assistance for people who use drugs mm-hmm. in the light mm-hmm. of decriminalization? Certainly decriminalization um, is is not a magic bullet. It is an mm-hmm. incredibly small um, kind of intervention. So the other types of um, interventions and supports that are needed are improving our, our addiction treatment system of care and, and therapies and support. And the government has announced very significant dollars to advance addiction treatment and ensure that people aren't having to wait, um, do have the type of treatment that they need available on demand. So a lot of effort is going into moving that forward. So we need more absolutely more than addiction treatment. We will not be able to treat our way out of the crisis that we're in. And so some of those other types of of avenues, certainly prevention and ensuring that we're supporting 
families that we're trying to interrupt cycles of historical trauma and the, the kind of colonial violence that we have. Also, though, very importantly, in terms of, you know, every day right now is having low threshold harm reduction programs uh, across the province. So right now we see a lot of them are concentrated in urban areas. So really moving that out, making sure they're available to everybody. From my perspective, the intervention that's going to have the, the largest impact on reducing overdose death is going to be regulating the supply of drugs. And so that's going to involve having government come in and bring in health and safety regulations around the production of drugs. The example I use often is looking at tobacco and looking at how effective we have been in reducing tobacco use, not when we outlawed it, but when we put incredibly strict regulations on purchasing, on the price of them, on packaging, on restricting any type of advertising or anything that goes along with it. With alcohol, we have let advertising come in, we've let promotion, we have mm-hmm. things like happy hour. We're really trying to encourage uh, consumption, which mm-hmm. is absolutely not a public health approach to substance use. So I I wonder if some people imagine an an alcohol-type model for illicit drugs, which is absolutely not, from a public health and evidence-based perspective, something that I would would encourage. Just because it is regulated does not mean anyone condones it. You know, it's very much, okay, well, it's regulated, but at your peril. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we we have just so many more tools when we bring it under a regulation. And, And it's really another distinction that I think, you know, the public has a hard time making, too, is that decriminalization is the only alternative to criminalization. Mm -hmm. And decriminalization does not give those regulatory tools. It just says that it's not illegal. Um, And so I I don't actually support just having, you know, decriminalized all aspects of illegal drugs. What we really need is is a regulated system for, for, for drugs. So as uh, as Dr. DeBeck is saying, of course, decriminalization is one good step to prevent um, just harms that come to folks who use drugs um, when they, you know, maybe are just criminalized. Somebody calls the police on them for having a tiny amount of, of drugs for personal use and they're maybe they're using on the street. And I understand that that's probably jarring to look at. And it's not something you know, I, I understand that perspective as well, but it just it, it's a harm reduction technique. And we're nowhere near sort of actually actually done. We can't really see in a public measurable way the results of just decriminalization, although it is a good first step, I would say. Well, it's the first step, but there's obviously work to do. And I'm glad that she was at least open to admitting that. So you know what, Jerry, great segment, great insight. And it was really nice to have that perspective on it. And let's circle back on this again. Thank you for the report. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for thank you for letting me talk about it.